0: You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier Richard McCall
1: shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is your host, Richard McCall, here in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. That's right. I'm uh, coming to you from my holidays here on the west coast of Canada, visiting family and friends in this area. Some great history of my family here in Canada. So for those of you from this part of the world, I'm in your backyard. Anyway, next week we'll be back in Columbia once again. But this is episode 464 of the Columbia Calling podcast. And this week we recorded, well, a little while ago. And my very special guest is Todd Cooley. Todd is, well, I, I think the best way of putting it is. He's a black and a foreigner in Colombia. So he's originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and he now lives in Cali after trying out various cities around Colombia. So first and foremost, this is of interest to anyone thinking of coming to Colombia, spending an extended amount of time. And, of course, we, we touch on the issues of race here in, in Colombia and what it means to be black and foreign in this country. So I think this is actually quite timely. I think it's a very interesting episode. And we just chew the fat, that is Cockney rhyming slang for chat. We just chat for the better part of 40 minutes about what it's like and his experiences in Colombia and how he feels being here. So what does it take for a formally trained and practicing lawyer to give it all up and move to Cali, Colombia? So, you know, tune in, listen to this one. Interesting story by Todd. How do you move from St. Louis, Missouri to Cali, Colombia? It's about as far away as you can kind of imagine, not geographically, of course, but in a reality and a social atmosphere. So we'll be talking about that. I know that you've enjoyed the last few episodes because, well, the listener rates continue to come in, and given that the Nevada de Ruiz seems to be... Well, the reports coming out of the Geological Society here in Colombia is that it will erupt at any time soon. So 463 with uh, Natalia Pardo, the head geologist at the Los Andes University in Colombia. Well, she gave us a lowdown the week prior to any announcement about the Nevado del Ruiz. So by lucky, HAP, by fortune... We were completely timely in that issue. So listen to that one to hear more about volcanic activity in Colombia. And I know that you enjoyed Andrea González Duarte's story of La Onda Medellín and prior to that Camila González Rosas about tropical diseases and disease ecology. We've got other great episodes in the pipeline and it's also my pleasure to announce that the Latin News Podcast done for a company in the uk is now out episode one is available on all platforms so just put in latin news podcast and we discuss the ongoing political crisis in peru and then next week of course we will be talking about chile and what is going on there after that brazil after that paraguay because there are elections coming up so we'll be talking about all these issues Thank you again to those of you who signed up on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. We really, really appreciate all the uh, uh, funds that are sent our way, the support and so on. Emily and myself, well, we couldn't be more thankful for those of you that sign up or who have increased your pledges. You know who you are, uh, Devin, Carlos, uh, Mark. Thank you again for all of your support. So don't go away. We'll have the news from Emily Hart in Medellin, and then we'll be going over to speak to Todd Cooley in Cali, Colombia. Now, I warn you, the sound quality is a little bit iffy at times. There's something to do with, uh, I think it was the connection in Cali rather than the one in Bogota. But it still is a fascinating conversation with Todd. So please, you know, try and you know, bear with us with the, uh, with the recording quality and enjoy this great show. Thank you again, and bye-bye.
2: I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of April 10th, 2023. The United Nations has criticised the Colombian government, saying that it has no roadmap to protect the country's social leaders, while also pointing out that there are reasons for optimism in terms of peace in the country, including progress made on both rural reform and the ethnic chapter of the peace accord with the FARC guerrilla. The new report highlights that there was a de-escalation of violence in some regions, Bach notes with concern the increase of confrontation in two focal points which are part of the reconfiguration of conflict in the Pacific region and on the border with Venezuela. The United Nations Verification Mission, a group focused on the implementation of the peace agreement with the FARC, highlights that murders of social leaders continue, among the victims being campesino farmers, indigenous leaders, crop substitution leaders and members of local committees. The report also draws attention to the former FARC combatants being killed. 362 have been murdered since the signing of the agreement. Although threats persist, attacks and murders have decreased considerably in comparison with previous years. There have been six former combatants murdered this year, making the first quarter of 2023 one of the least violent against signatories of the peace deal since the laying down of arms. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres concluded that peace in Colombia relies not only on the implementation of the 2016 Accords with the FARC, but also on addressing the other sources of violence in the country, amid numerous armed groups still active. Colombia may be the first country in Latin America with a law covering climate displacement, proposing that the state recognise the existence of forced internal displacement due to climate change and environmental degradation. Though an important first, the issue has a long way to go. A bill was just submitted for first debate in Congress, which will have to pass through three more debates to become law. The World Bank has released estimates that Colombia's GDP will grow 1.1% this year, amid regional growth of 1.4%. These growth rates are too low to make significant progress in reducing poverty, promoting inclusion or dissipating social tensions, says the new report. The World Bank has reduced its growth estimate for Colombia from the 1.3% expected last January, though these estimates are still higher than the Colombian central bank's latest estimate of 0.8%. In its new report, the World Bank suggests that economic integration is the way to improve the path for all of Latin America. Of the region's five largest economies, Chile will perform the worst this year, with a projected GDP contraction of 0.7%. Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina will grow 1.5, 0.8, and 0%, respectively. The region's limited growth is partly due to high inflation. Colombia's Government Statistics Agency announced this week that annual inflation for the month of March was 13.34%. Inflation has now been above 10% for nine months and continues to grow. March's figure is the highest since 1999. The price of gas has risen 27%, reportedly a key factor in Colombia's high inflation. This fuel has risen more than electricity and even petrol, the price of which has been rising for six consecutive months and has increased by 19% in the last year. However, this week, for the first time this year, the dollar dropped to 4,500 Colombian pesos. Airlines Wingo, LATAM and JetSmart have appealed the Viva-Avianca merger, seeking a review by Aero Civil Authority due to what they see as insufficient measures in the agreement to prevent threats to market competition. And the Aviation Authority has also declared that it will no longer be compulsory to wear face masks on aeroplanes and at airports, and that the COVID test and vaccination card will no longer be required when entering Colombia. Those were your top stories. I'll be back next week. Thanks for
1: listening. And we're back. This is the Columbia Calling podcast. I'm Richard McCall here in Bogota, 2,600 metres closer to the stars, although it feels that we're much, much closer as we seem to be sitting in a rain cloud that hasn't stopped raining for about four days. Our very special guest this week is based in Cali, so in the southwest, the industrial hub of the southwest. His name's Todd Cooley. He's originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and now he's living in Cali. And, well, we're going to talk about what it's like to be down there living in this part of the country and also, you know, being, well, experiences as a black man in a black foreign man, a black foreigner in Colombia. So, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast, Todd. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, he's a long-time listener, so this is the most important thing here. So, we should celebrate that. <laughs> yes, I am. A, I am a long-time listener, somewhat of a fan, if you will. Been listening to this show for a little
0: over two years now, and, and I could be honored. through.
1: I think that's great, too. But no, two years is, is a short week. I mean, this is our 10th year now. Yeah. Can you imagine. Uh, obviously, I don't point you to the early episodes as we were finding our feet. But this is our 10th anniversary this year, I think in June or July. So I'm gonna have to work that one out. But you've been here now in Cali for roughly five years. And prior to that, you were all around the country for, well, a, a year and a half, 16 months, a bit more. Um, tell us how you came to be in Colombia in the first place.
0: Interesting question. Um, well, I am a little bit great. I was practicing attorney for 18 years. Um, went to the University of Miami School of Law. Well. And, and through that experience, you know, met a lot of um, colleagues from South America. You know, uh, Colombia, Brazil, Peru, um, Cubans, obviously, being in part of the country. So that's, that's um, kind of what gave me the idea, what generated the idea of wanting, you know, planning on coming to business, spending some extended kind of and, time. Um, and then I the kind of like how work, it's, you know, work the way it works. And, uh, several years later, I took a sabbatical and did some traveling and uh, really found Colombia and both Brazil kind of um, suitable as far as what I was looking for if I were to ever, you know, expatriate and live outside the country, which at that time was kind of like, uh-huh, maybe it'd be nice to work for six months in one of these countries and still maintain a in in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the idea at the time. And um then so that, it was about a couple months, two months, a few years later, maybe two years later I got a, a call from a, a former law school and I said, Hey, there's an opportunity in Columbia for you, would you like to would you like to come, would you be interested? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you were well, yeah. at a, like uh, a crossroads in your life because, you know, you're a, you're an attorney, stable, imagine your parents thrilled you they got you through school, everything else you stable and suddenly said, no, I'm, I'm going off to Columbia to teach English.
0: You <laughs> like know, I, I didn't necessarily, you know, look at it for the stability lens. That's true. I looked at it more from a, you know, lack of equilibrium in life and stress. I mean, I was working 60 hours a week, you know, was very unhappy, not really having an opportunity to really enjoy life, just kind of always grinding. And... um. I look at more from an opportunity to change and, and, and regain some things that I have lost all the way, you know, working and basically chasing money. So kind of, the, kind of the opposite
1: there. You know? I think that's it, isn't it? A lot of us who move over here and, you know, become immigrants to Colombia, uh, trying to regain something is a very key element. I mean, I work incredibly hard, I am very careful, though, about not working overtime. I have children and trying not to work on weekends. But I am a freelancer, but at the same time, you know, my kids are home. They deserve to have some, you know, the attention, parental attention, and so on. Um, But there is something else, isn't there? There's something else that we regain. Uh, And I'm not saying by living an expat. Uh, you know, existence, because we are immigrants to Colombia, you've been here more than five years, I've been here forever. And, um, but there is something that has been regained. And sometimes I have a difficulty putting my finger on it. And other times I'm like, there's a there's a degree of the liberty of lifestyle, or I am able to spend more time with my family. Uh, I don't, Maybe it's because it's more family-oriented here, maybe, mm-hmm. from the, where I might have come from. I don't know exactly what it is, but I certainly feel a lot less stressed uh, and certainly happier. I don't know. What is your uh, what is your feeling on this front, Todd? I, I, I agree with you 100% with that. And I think there's an insistence
0: on taking time to relax here. Um and it comes, it's kind of um, indoctrinated to the culture, at least here in the Pacific, which is where it's like, okay, we've, we've worked hard for a, a period of time, a length of time, whether that be 10 hours, 12 hours, or if you want to in a weekly time, 50 hours, you know, what have you. But at the end of a, of a long duration of hard work, there's always time to relax, celebrate, or even, you know, create something worth celebrating. You know, it's, it's, it's often done here too. It's like, oh, well, let's, you know, celebrate this. Well, why are we celebrating? Because we need a reason to. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I would say this is just something like that can inherit that I'm just going to like, please relax, take your time. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely reflected offensively, like in the services and things like that, yeah. you know. And, um, where you can you know, you know you have a window of 12 to four the guy shows up at six and it's like just gives you a bunch of and it's like yeah, well,
1: that's, a, that's the total flip side was you know we we still expect <laughs> to, <laughs> things to work on time but be able to take time off and i, yeah. I guess i guess we have to yeah. stomach one with the other and that one but uh you know it's like i am aware though when you know, getting older and and so on, and you know, I thought I'd never thought I'd say it's, you know approaching fifty, and I'm like you know, okay, I I gotta take some time off. I gotta do something or go swimming or just take a walk. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I'm a
0: little older. Baby. I mean, I'm, I'm approaching fifty-five. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. So when I came here, there's a, a definitely uh, more of an urgency. If you will, to find um, a place of, you know, to have the potential for retirement as far as affordability. Um, You know, it kind of also has the opportunity to work at one's leisure, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not practicing law anymore. I'm teaching here, which is a a schedule that's much more manageable for me. Mm It um, allows me to. Also, I do a great deal of volunteer work and work outside the parameters of what I essentially get paid to do. Work out in the community, you didn't fortunately, trying to do that. So yeah, it's
1: uh, been good. A little bit more urgency, as you say. Now, you are mm-hmm. you, you you came to Colombia, let's say, in the Colombia Bilingue. Uh, what I understood from this this program, I guess it was government run. What I understood was that. You got paired with a, a place where you were going to teach, and that was it. But in your case, you were you located in four different places around Colombia over sixteen yeah. months. So you yeah. you got to uh, you know a real immersion into the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm a bit of- in my case, fortunate or, <laughs> or not, because it also provided you know a great deal of instability for someone who had just moved to the country and wasn't familiar with the language and and didn't have a friendship base mm. as well to be moving around a I got to see a lot of the country, and um, through some certain circumstances circumstances, allowed me to be you know four different places within the sixteen months. But um, I don't know if it. I know what kind of truth benefit it had in the long run other than allow me to see kind of work negatively where I didn't want to live or where I didn't want to settle or places, unfortunately, I didn't like about the country, you know, um, <laughs> it was a, kind of a process of elimination work backwards kind of a thing, you know.
1: Well, yeah, I like that. that. Is, it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to live here. So I'll go to the next place. So I want to live here. <laughs> so you arrived in Bogota and then you didn't want to live there.
0: No. No.
1: <laughs> I, I loved in Bogota
0: and um, was originally supposed to go to an outpost in, in Antioquia. Okay. Uh-huh. And um like happy late and in some unfortunate circumstances that position didn't really give it away. Okay. So they're like, Well, we can stay here in Bogota and work here and then the next available position will move you. Okay, so, great. so I was there for maybe four months or so, and then went to Cartagena, which is very nice. And was settling in there, and the program director or the coordinadora at that particular location where I was working, she quit, and no one else in the institution really had any any idea of the program or what it entailed or a point of contact or whatever. So it's like, okay, the woman who is in charge of kind of you, so to speak, is no longer there, so now they have to move you again. So this is is kind of the uh, the series of unfortunate circumstances. It wasn't really the the way it was really designed to be. (laughs) So, yeah. So... (laughs) Maybe <laughs> ended me up in Was there The contract expired actually. Uh, I renewed the contract because I still wasn't clear on really what I wanted to do. And then um I got to Cali and decided, okay, I decided after about sixteen months and having been in Cali and the opportunity of staying in Cali and living here. Wow. So it was like, okay, this is what I want to do my flash, this is this is it. I mean,
1: well yeah. so you know. Four very different places. Bogota, obviously, big, cold capital city, cold climate. And then you were in Cartagena, or Caribbean oh. coast, big tourist town. Actually, quite a hard place to live in, I think, as well. Uh
0: very, very hard place to live in. Very hard place to live in. a lot of opportunities in the service industry there. If you're looking to, to you know, start a company or... Um, infrastructure, whatever it might be. Um, definitely if you're looking to teach, there's not a lot of outlets whether they be a university. just doesn't have a lot of options.
1: Yeah. yeah. Actually, this later this week, I'm going to be talking to someone who is teaching not English, but an American from Boston, who's living in Cartagena right now, but it'll be interesting to to sort of compare some of your experiences. So, and then via Vicencio, which is cowboy country, like a hundred kilometers south (laughs) of Bogota. um, That's that's a different story altogether down there. I mean, I think you you could have been a fish out of water down there.
0: Definitely. <laughs> just like you know a in a strange land. yeah I was yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I you know to visit is, is one thing to live is another thing And Via visit, it, it was
0: challenging yeah but
1: that was that was challenging
0: for me and although I had a a nice time and I enjoyed my time there and, and got to see the the kind uh, of the the public culture, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized immediately like, no, this is not where I wanna you I know, want to be in term. Yeah. You know, this
1: is not where I want to and saying? Yeah. And so, no, it's 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 a hard one, isn't it? I mean you know, I don't know what I would do there after a while. I don't know. It's,
0: it's strange, like that's probably kind of where I experience the most racism in this country, is is he did you know, like um, there's an instance that I can recall where a colleague and I, a colleague we and I, were working at this particular institution for about two weeks. It was a little short term thing we were doing, so conducting some workshops. And we found this little traditional kind of, um, you know, lunch place, you know, with the Amoroso Completo. You know, you get the little piece of protein and the beans and the rice and maybe a little and and, and what have you. And so we had gone there for a couple of days. And on the third day, my, my my colleague says, hey, Morgan, have you, have you noticed that your, your piece of meat is smaller than mine? And I said... And I really didn't pay much attention to it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we sit down, we have lunch, and I said, I really haven't noticed. And he said, Yeah, you meat is smaller than mine. So he called a lady over, and at this time, my, my Spanish, is, is more common than the best, Richard. So I give a point of understanding. And he asked her, You know, why is my colleague's my meat smaller than mine? And she does she didn't make this a she says, Well uh you, you know. And so my buddy and this lady begin this like fly-pitched argument that I really don't make much, you know, I can't really decipher. And I'm asking, what is she saying? What is she saying? What is she saying? And then my buddy starts to translate, and the lady hears me speak in English. And the whole attitude kind of like flips. You know, oh, Lucianfo, Lucianfo, blah 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 blah. I didn't know he was American, and my buddy's like, you know, yeah, we're gonna report you to the Department of Education, he's here, I'll a contract, blah 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 And so that was really the first kind of um experience. I, I have with I so like a microaggression. You know. And you can always have things like when you when you go to Bogota and you're walking through, you know, uh, you know, certain certain shops, you know, where the security guard might look at you twice or follow you follow you for, you know, steps before he peels off. That that happens. Yeah. But that's, that's like innocuous. You don't even think about that kind of thing. But um yeah, this was the first time I, I encountered something like that here. I was like, no, she is she was so bold enough to do that, not to think that either one of us would notice. Well, I didn't notice. Mm. Or that it would be much of an issue, like she could just be so, you know, bold and forward. It was, was kind of selfish.
1: That's, yeah. it. you know, it's just, this is... I think similar to some things I've heard before. I can't re- remember, but I've, yeah, <laughs> obviously, no one likes to be followed in a shop, uh, mm-hmm. and and I am certain that you are followed more than I, obviously, uh, because of the you know the obvious, the obvious, uh, uh, it, as we would say, kind of an institutionalized uh, you know, prejudice. And I'm, but I'm followed in shops as well, and I'm just like, for the love of god you know anyway so i can only ma- imagine how you feel under this pressure but that story of you know your friend going up and saying listen his serving is less yet he's black therefore he doesn't need any more is well i mean it's it's shocking to my very core and so i mean i again having never experienced anything or, or uh, am I, I'm, I'm, I'm likely ever to experience anything ever of this type because of, you know, um, how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you do it? You like, you know, th- this is Colombia, which is a multi-racial multi-ethnic country, but equally so you're dealing with that. Well, you know, actually, it, it kind of led me on a journey to dig a little deeper and find
0: out why. Because not being, you know, well-versed in, in the varying parts of the country and all the, you know, cultural migration patterns and um, all these different types of things, uh, that this particular time I was just like, eh, I'd off the boat. Yeah. So you know, I did a little research. and not aware of like kind of the, the, the conservatives' you know, rest power in the country and where the progressive rest power in the country, where historically getting parts of the country have been understood from a government, government standpoint, and, you know, why the kind of discontent was here when the government support was there. And really kind of, you know, led me on on an educational journey of of picking up a few books, listening to some some shows like yours, actually, and finding out, okay, what's, What's going, on in this country? What's going on in this country, where the, you know, everyone is Colombian, yes, but there's a definite kind of class system here. Oh, yeah, you know, and in addition to there being, you know, some underlying, you know, prejudices regarding, you know, race and color, there's also a caste system here. I mean, you have what. You know, ten twelve families, I don't know, seventy five percent, eighty five percent of the
1: wealth in this country, you know. Very much That's so. What it's all about, you know. Yeah. It I mean it's it has to be tough. I mean, you were in Vio Vicencio, you experienced this, obviously, and then your time at Vio Vicencio came to an end and you ended up in Cali and Cali, mm-hmm. you said, you know, it was fifteen minutes and you knew. This was yeah. city to you, and of course, Kali being a, a gateway to the Pacific Coast, with the different migrations that have taken place, there you know, you're going to feel more comfortable because it's more ethnically uh, and racially diverse, right? Oh, I you know, feel
0: right at home. Yeah. You know, when I was, you know, like you said, it took me, you know, very short time. I was like, okay, this is the, the place. So it reminded me immediately, immediately kind of New Orleans in a way. It had a very kind of multicultural, you know, strong sense of music, dance, yeah. you know, the arts, all of those kind of things, which typically historically, you know, are are brought to form by a, a strong African influence and mm-hmm. you know, in kind of a lot of different things. Um, yeah, so I immediately felt it out, and then just, you know, in everyday life, you know, I see more people that look like me. Yeah. Um, and that's not saying if it's a bad thing or a good thing, it's just a more comfortable thing. Of course. Yeah, you know, it's a more comfortable thing. There's, there seems to be a, um, a broad of acceptance. Ex- I don't say of acceptance. That's not the only one I, I want to use. I'm I want to use. Um, but there seems to be less of a divide Amongst the people who live here, based on race, and it's more on class. Yeah. Okay. I mean, racism exists throughout this country, but here I see it more, um, um, in certain parts of the city by a class thing. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're an African American or black person, you can afford, you you can live wherever you want to live as long as you can afford to to live there. Okay. Without any, Feeling any kind of social stigma or social pressure, it's like oh, he's got the money to live here, lives here, you know, no problem. Whereas, I've other parts of the country, if you wanted to live in very neighborhood, even if you had the the capital to do so, you might not feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You, you know, you know where those places are.
1: But I can understand. I can understand what you're saying, and obviously, with Cali, in that respect, and then. You are now working at a very prestigious university, Univaye. Mm-hmm. which, I, uh, academically, there's no sort of that people aren't looking down at you for, you know, for your, does your race or anything, or you're received within the academy. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, it's the it's traditional kind of, you
0: know progressive vibe you get at a, at a university campus especially in this part of the cut co- in this this part of the country I'll just you know keep it clean like that you know you you don't encounter a lot of conservatives there so <laughs> um, so there's a broad range of, of ethnic diversity as far as the faculty goes um, I think again getting where. And in this part of country it would be demanded it, you know it would have to reflect the, the student body or just you know or, or, there's no alternative. You know.
1: But like I you, think you you say then it's it's uh you're not perceived as a foreigner, you're perceived as a Colombian until you open your mouth. Yeah, yeah that's
0: <laughs> that's the experience twenty four seven three sixty five but that's been my experience and um, even to this day, you know, and my Spanish is 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 pretty pretty good. Um, unless I open my mouth, someone is going to think I'm I'm, I'm Colombian. Yeah. And then when they find out, it's like, oh my god, you're not Colombian. And, and unfortunately, you know, the attitude changes, which I don't like. It's like it's you know, you present yourself one like way. This is actually how you feel about someone that you encounter who doesn't look like you. Just maintain, you know. Um, that same truth and honesty, don't change who you are, you know, just because I'm you know, a, a dream of accent, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, that, that really, that's a uh, yeah. And you know, and the, the one thing I had, for the most part, college has, has been like no place I've encountered as far as just the, the ease of movement for me, yeah. personally. Um, and also, something that, that um, when I have these discussions, some people don't think of is, and I'm trying to be a of it, but I think this is important. You know, you've encountered a lot of people, just for example, that have said, Oh, I'd love to go to Buenaventura, but I've never felt comfortable going, or through a lot of bad things about it, you know, you're traditional Europeans. Well, I don't go I in the all the time. I have a lot of friends there. It's kind of like a second home to me. Not to say I'm going to relocate there, but I'm very thoughtful there. And the, the move times than I can count. So I never perceive it as really dangerous. And there are dangerous parts of the city that you obviously would not want to go to unintended or unsponsored. But for me, my experience in going to work in tour is going to be totally different than, you know a Spanish man's experience going to Buenaventura.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is totally I I will ensure you I've been twice to Buenaventura and uh well because I was on reporting trips so it got a bit it got a bit dodgy on both occasions. Because yeah. I'm asking yeah. maybe the right questions in the wrong places. Or the right questions in the right places. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um you know yeah. I, again I'm conspicuous there.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you know, that's also kind of a reversal um, kind of opportunity, you know, that I've been able to avail myself of. I think wasn't the right way to put it, but I think you know what I meant. You know, there's been some opportunities I've been able to avail myself of in some friendship circles that mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to to be able to to make and enhance that someone else might not have. Mm-hmm. You know, have the ability to, which. Um, I'm very blessed and thankful than for. Those are the kind of relationships that I found to be, you know, um, less financial, you know, um, more paid, just with sense, regardless of, you know, your accent or your level of Spanish, as opposed to, well, you are the American and, um, you know, she's eventually. You know, teach my, you know, my new English, or, you know, you're invited to, to sort of something that's, oh, my token American friend. <laughs> so you yeah. have, especially, um, you know, if you're, if you're black in certain, in certain, you know, dynamics, it's not only my American friend, my black American friend. So, you know, um, being able to, be accepted to and find comfort in certain parts of the Afro Colombian community in the Pacific here. Um you know I don't know if I could have lived here and have flourished here as long as I have without without that.
1: Of course. Yeah. That's uh there's a do you feel uh and if I'm getting i I'm, I'm getting too theoretical or something yeah. that this this uh I don't know, embrace or just easy embrace into, let's say, Black Pacific culture and or uh, Afro Caribbean. It comes from just a shared history, let's say, of the, you know, of, of migrations, forced migrations from across. It's like, you yeah, know, he's from the US, but we are one and the same. I think so. I think so. Um, there's this also kind
0: of a series. It's really rare within these communities within the diaspora. There's a serious you know, kind of parallel way of way of growing up. You know, especially if you grew up in a single parent household or a household where your parents, you know, worked a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we would call like key king kids. You know. Um, they have a lot of friends here who had the same situation where they might have been a last-key kid, you know, they had to go to their brother's house. They couldn't go like, to their own house or their brother's house. They waited for one of their parents to get off and then pick them up from their brother's house and take them home. You know, there was, there was a lot of a lot of bad mm-hmm. of that ended up for me, too. And I remember when I was after school because my mom was working. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the same kind of, obviously, the music and um, of you know, I And mean, you know, sort of um, So, yeah, there's a lot of common kind of shared experiences. Yeah. Experiences that makes it very easy, you know, for one to feel
1: comfortable. Because you know. I, 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 I think of that when I, when I was thinking of the interview from a few weeks ago with Dr. Luisa Marcela Osa from... Mm-hmm. University in Pennsylvania. Uh I can't remember. off the top of my head, the uh, university escapes me. But you know, we were talking about the sort of the African roots into into Colombia. Obviously Cali comes up because of the music and everything and mm-hmm. we talk. But we also talked uh quite at length about uh San Basilio de Palenque, uh mm-hmm. Cartagena. Have you had yeah. the opportunity to visit? I have not.
0: Ah. Um that is definitely my bucket list, here. There's not a lot of places that I have not had the good fortune of visiting. That is one of them. Mm. You know, um, a lot of with we were so soft in a yeah. You of know, us. Um, I haven't had a chance to make it to um, the ruins um, along. the way. And the not have a chance of that. So there's a lot of things up in that up in that part of the of the country that haven't had an opportunity to
1: do. There's pl- there's yeah. still time. There's still time. But you have got up to the islands, so San Andres and Providencia.
0: In San Andres, Providencia, Isla Spent a lot of time there. Uh, spent a lot of time in Corrientes um, and um, some of those beaches. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and been to. You know, Nuki, new numerous times, um, the biggest of them, you know, why not? Pacific kind of been there quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be fear Like I said, I know most of the country. Probably not as much as you, Richard, you but I
1: know that. <laughs> you get around. I,
0: I, I, I know most of the I know most of the country. Yeah, yeah, most of the country.
1: You get around. That's great. No, I was just thinking of these things, and I'm thinking about some of the, the interviews that I've done. Uh yeah, okay. that talk about sort of the black diaspora and of course the forced uh, the, well the, the slavery uh that but pushed to communities elsewhere. And then a few years ago we had Sharika Crawford. I think Mm -hmm. she's from the U.S. Naval uh, uh, University, and she's an expert on sort of like the diaspora and and all the different communities in the Caribbean. And so we had her on talking about, her book was The Last Turtleman of the Caribbean, and it's all about, you know, San Andres, Providencia, and all those areas. And I just, you know, we don't get the full history in Colombia about what really happened. yeah at all no this is largely this is largely
0: hidden and and, and has been tried to be written out of history, yes you know? um, and it's there the information's there if you want to find it yeah. but you have to be motivated to do so and so you know that's another thing that i encourage you know people that come you know um friends of mine to visit in their office and you know the funny thing is you know, you I have a friend that visits and I say, Well, I can envision myself living there if I was a uh, if if, if the black people you know, other black women come to visit me. Um but then kind of when you tell them about some of these, you know institutionalized layers of racism, so you get these microaggressions that are that are in it's unfortunate because you have some that have the traditional answer of a lot just I'll isolate myself from all that because economically, I'll be able to afford to to live in a certain level, and I have to deal with any of that. Um, you know, unfortunately, you have the the person that just thinks in that in that way. Like, you know, I'm going to be living off my pension or whatever the the you know the value of the money is, as far as the exchange rate goes. I'm not going to basically have to deal with any of the that kind of thing. You know, uh, but yes, people to actually you know care
2: a little bit and think
1: about those things and take them into consideration if they ever consider. Yeah, it I think movie. so. I think you know. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot being written. There's a lot being discussed at the moment, but if not here, as we said, you know, not here. <laughs> uh, and I do, I do think there isn't there the, the history of there is a or well, there was a black president, but he's been written out of. <laughs> His name is like the Antioch, is came to power under some type
0: of military circumstance or something like that. Yeah. Um, I want to say it's the, it's the 1860s, late yeah, 60s. Something around <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Yeah, but like, like maybe president present for six months. Yeah. In, uh, in six months, I do something like that.
1: But they just yeah. whitewashed him out. I mean, has yeah, only books
0: as an Afro-Colombian president, but yeah. Very yeah. little no, 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 no.
1: We're we're still quite a long way away from a, a re, well, you know getting in in immediate times contemporary times an afro colombian president. I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Agree. Yeah,
0: so, agree. Um, yeah, but there is um, 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 an interesting dynamic just since the, the overall kind of for me anyway living in the Pacific again. I can't speak to people that live in in other parts of the country. You know, there's an overall kind of different um, vibe since Petro's election as opposed to the previous administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are still, you know, highly yeah. inequitable, but people feel as though at least someone does give a little bit of a damn. Yeah. Whether or not, how much of that is lip service and will never be out out actual policies that affect the region or money that's going to the region. At least there's an overall um, better sense of well-being, you know, collectively. People feel better. Well, there's something to be said
1: for that. Having having Francia Marquez as the vice president is may not be the solution to everything, but it's a very symbolic and important uh, nomination uh, in a country that is traditionally very far behind on this kind of uh issue uh of race and yeah. you know she she said you know i i represent the nobodies and and the nobodies voted <laughs> you know so i mean mm-hmm. what can you say so there as you say uh, it it probably gets to a point where uh yes somebody does give a damn uh mm-hmm. somebody is paying attention we obviously there's a long way to go as well, you'll know, and uh, but these are moves in the right direction. I, I I can only say that. I wanted to change a little bit as we wind this down a bit because I know you're a busy guy too. But how were you down there during the uh, the 2021 uh, demonstrations in Cali? How was it for you down there?
0: Yeah,
1: it's interesting. <laughs> say I, I,
0: I, I'll keep it clean. I, I live in a very nice neighborhood okay I'm within meters you know 200 meters to the university you know so, so it's convenient for me right. I'm getting to a point here. So on the one hand um, I'm a little I was a little insulated because I have this you know I live in this nice building in this nice neighborhood. but on the other hand, if I attempted to go to work, or really less than half a mile for me, you know, there's these coming up with ESMAD and there's this, you know, this smell of, <laughs> smell of, smell of you know, gas, smell of, um, you know, smoke bombs and you can constantly hear, you know, a helicopter. And, and there's this, it's very, very interesting, interesting dynamic for me during that time period. It's like, you know, all of my students are in the streets, You know, they're all protesting, they're all doing their thing, Um, you know, you wish them the best and pray for their safety, you know, um, knowing that, you know, you have this kind of connection with them and and knowing the sense of their frustrations and why they're out there. On the other hand, you know, uh, you're familiar. You're just a a guy that immigration has allowed to be here. And... (laughs) It's I hey, you know, um, I really don't have a dog in this fight. I have opinions. I have lots of opinions, but I have, I have no, no, you know, legal right to exercise any kind of, you know, um, right and determine the process of how this country works. I just live here, man. <laughs> <I> <laughs> And, um, like I said, I have opinions, I have these discussions, you know, in my company, you know, all I can do is sit back and watch at the end of the day. you know, I don't know. I think so. Stay safe. Yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? It's that way well, you well, gotta yeah.
1: stay safe, right? I'm always curious. I, you know, obviously, I've know I know of a, a lot of people who are who are there at the time. So I'm always curious of hearing the different uh, the different uh, you know uh, experiences. And a friend of mine who was a photographer was down there. Was yeah, it but, the Minga Indigenous who camped in the Univaye? Yes. So mm-hmm. my friend was camping there and taking photographs.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was. that was. Another thing is Valle also acts as a staging area you know, for all of the students, the staging area for the students. And, you know, on the opposite side of the street, the staging area for the SMAR when you know, during that time period, you know. Um, there's, you know, the one disappointing thing during that time period that I, I think, you know, if we have something like that going forward in the not-too-distant future, just be the, the this to de-escalate. Yeah. The Clinton pre- administration just knew nothing about de-escalation. It was just like you know, okay, tit for tat, tit for tat, ratchet up, ratchet up, ratchet up, ratchet up. Ratchet up. That that is no way to alleviate pressure at all. That's you know, has the opposite effect. It's just going to create more pressure. So I never understood why it wasn't in their benefit just to you know, de-escalate. You know, are still in full control. You still can yeah. to a certain extent, you know, exert your, your governmental pressure, you know, on on the people that you don't have to beat them over the head to do it. This was... You control all, you control all the levers, why? Right? it just it just makes more sense. It should be much more much more elegant.
1: It's a curious thing about de-escalation. I, I I imagine that they would have been seen themselves as as weak, uh, but of course they have the power to to That's negotiate, an and they've got the yeah. power to, to le- le- leverage everything. Well, you you control the money. Yeah. At the end of the day, when I mean, you
0: control the money. That's the one thing about this country that people always you know, when I talk to to my my educated friends I like to say, that they, you know and they want to talk about the you know, the difference in the the, the political structures between here and the US and other parts of the rule, like, everything is, is centralized here. You know? I'm like you know the US there's fifty states, they all have their own budgets. They all have their own, you know, Tax base and way to go about how they allocate their funds, I think everything's interesting here. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um, that's the big difference. You know, you've got to be buddy buddy and vote with someone in Utah. Um whatever, whatever part of the, the, the country you represent, to be able to. Any money funnel to you for whatever type of project or initiative you you think are worthy to serve your constituency? It's, the structure here is just not conducive to ever. No, not. that's not. Let me take that back. The structure here needs to change. Change somewhat. Yeah. For so it to ever really be able to fully, fully serve the constituency, it is bound to
1: serve. It raises a lot of questions whether there is any aim to serve the constituencies, but let's not get into that. That's a whole other conversation. Um, Sorry, that's okay, but I, for another time, maybe <laughs> over a beer.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but I think that I think you hit on some really key points there, and I'm very appreciative of you sharing. You know some your anecdotes and experiences, some not so good, others excellent ones of the, how you find time in Colombia, how you've, you know, moved here and really, I would say, assimilated until you open your mouth, uh, but uh, to to life in Colombia. You know, as I'm always a gringo, I mean, whatever the case, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm in the whitest area of Bogota, I'm still a gringo. <laughs> So we just sort of, but we, you know, I am happy here. Uh, uh, as you say, I have opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I'm allowed or whether I should voice them is one thing. Uh, I am very aware that I am a guest.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yes. Despite being married and having kids, I am very aware I am a guest here. Yes. And so, Tread. Tread carefully on these things with my opinions. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that that's the one thing that uh, people need to understand whatever ethnicity or um, you know, political leanings, if you will. When you come here, you are, I guess, mm-hmm. like I said, you, you are at the, the you know, the, I don't know what you want to call it, but the mercy of immigration, so to speak. As, 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 I mean, as you say, if they allow you to live here, they can tell you to
1: leave. And and it, it's an immediate thing. They can tell you to leave yeah, here. Yes, so I have
0: I to, mean, that's the try, try to try to act accordingly. I mean, that's that's the one thing, you know, that really isn't annoying when I talk to, you know, unfortunately a lot of you know, people that are interested in this thing here is, you know, there's still this stigma attached to so, Colombia and it's kind of some place of lawless and you can do what you want to do, and, you know, the whole, you can just, you know, buy a bunch of photographs and, you know, this, and the And, you know, that part of the country does exist, that underbelly, but I tell you, you have to look for it and you have to really want to do that. And as soon as you look for that and really want to do that, then you essentially notify only that that's what they're trying to do and you know you're staying here as well as you initially planned. So
1: yeah. Well, Todd, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your knowledge and your experiences. It's been it has been enlightening chatting. It, I, I like this one, where, this kind of style where we just sort of have a back and forth conversation. You know, it's really we jump around a bit, but the the, the topics there, Colombia, is the lens for all of these conversations. So let me just take this moment to say, listen, thank you, Todd Cooley, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, but now from Cali, Colombia. So there we go. That's it. Thank you for being on the Columbia Calling podcast.
0: Thank you, Richard. You're right. Callie is now home. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I Enjoyed it. Thank
1: you. It was a great pleasure. It was a great pleasure. One day our paths will cross in person, and we'll get to. I'm sure.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure we will find ourselves at the same place at the same time eventually. It's
1: it's this this is a it's a, as they say it's everything's in a pañuelo here everything's in like a handkerchief. So we'll, we'll there'll be a moment where our paths cross definitely. So, well, until that moment. Please have a great rest of the week and look after yourself and continue to enjoy Kali and and keep on, you know, fighting the good fight at the Uni Univalle, teaching English and, and, well, enjoying life. Well, thank you, Richard. I plan to do so.
0: Um, I will be headed, like I said, to one of your establishments and welcome us within the next, you know, eight weeks. I look forward to that. And... Hopefully, if I catch you right, you'll be there and have a chance to, to buy your service. Up.
1: Wow, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but, um, it will, this is Columbia Calling, talking to Todd Cooley there in Cali. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. We'll go over now to some messages from our sponsors. And then, of course, please continue to share, spread the word. And, uh, well, if you wish to, uh, you know, support us on Patreon, that's www.patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. And, yes, tune in next week. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. And bye-bye. The Columbia Calling Podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling Podcast is also Proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Colombia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over, if you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through columbia be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's columbiacalling.co or the plan my trip form on the bnb columbia tours website that's bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions, and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you again.